Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I'm going to jump right in so people know exactly what we're talking about today. Um, and so to give the listeners a little bit of background before we even get started. So we met at Expo East last year in 2020. Wow. 2020, 2022. (laughs) God, what is time really? Um, but so it was really funny because Christina and I were walking around, we're, you know, like looking for cool new products and you know, whatever. And we stumble upon you all. And you asked me like, you know, what's, so what's the best way to know if you have good gut health? And I was like, gut health? <laughs> this is the one I specialize in. And so immediately <laughs> I was like, stool testing. And you were like, well, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> you're like, actually, you want to take a look at your poop. And I was like, this is this is a guy I want to know more about. <laughs> you're like, here's my card. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> with that introduction, Warren, tell us a little bit more here's about you. Here's the conversation <laughs> that was coming, right? Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> It's great to be here. I, I really was um, very excited to meet you, as you can tell. And, um, uh, you know, just to be able to talk about this. I, I love uh, getting deep in the weeds, talking about things that otherwise people don't get a chance to. Maybe, you know, maybe they want to, maybe they don't want to. I don't know. But regardless, there's really very little opportunity to even have the discussion. So that's the zone I like to I go into. and. Um, I feel like I've been doing it my whole life in different different fields and different stuff. Yeah. So. Well, so interestingly, right, speaking of that, you kind of alluded to this, but I would love if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about you and your background and then how that kind of led to your interest in gut health, right? Because like you went from practicing law to running Cake Love to being on Food Network to now here having a gut health product. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay, yeah. So background. Um, so... I came to DC back in 95, law school. The goal was to go to law school, get credentials, to um, have the authority essentially to go before school boards and PTAs and talk to them about reproductive health education. Because I was a health educator before I went to law school and I taught sex ed classes. Um, And I... The problem that I kept on encountering was that uh, the high school students that we stood before, they were asking questions that the curriculum I was working with just it didn't really contemplate the questions or the answers. I mean, you know, not really. Uh, so I, I wanted some, you know, gravitas to be able to go in front of these groups and and say, hey, let's just create something that answers the questions that the kids actually have. Right. Um, that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit of a pivot. Uh, uh, many, yeah, many different fronts. So, you know, I went to GW Law School in DC. I came in 95. I graduated in 98. 
graduated with a degree in public health and a law degree. And my, you know, public health interest, of course, was like prevention and education. And uh, I just, I got distracted from my main goal because nobody wanted to talk about sex ed. Um, I got um, distracted from, you know, I, I wasn't really ready to be a lawyer or like, I didn't like mentally planning wise, I wasn't really thinking that was what I would do necessarily, but I got a good job as a litigator for health and human services. And I did that for a couple of years and almost instantly, surprise, surprise, I was like, this isn't going to work for me (laughs) (laughs) at all. And I, um, I am a guy who likes to cook and I was pretty comfortable in the kitchen and I had a new year's resolution back then. This is a 99. Um, and I wanted to learn how to bake and I wanted to just kind of get into the kitchen and, and solve this mystery of flour, baking powder, baking soda, just understand it as a person who kind of made my social life through law school as like cooking a lot on the side and let that be like the center point. Um, I cook lots of dinners and had people over for dinner and it was wonderful, but my desserts were almost always just a sweet potato pie. Like that was it. Uh, and they were good, you know, I and mean, I got really into it, of course, as I always do. But uh, that's all I really had in the up my sleeve. And I needed to kind of expand the menu just for competency's sake, right? And when I got into it, I realized that, you know what, making cakes is a lot of fun. It's a product that people like. They'll pay a premium for it. And it's like, it was not that, there wasn't a lot of good cake out there as a, you know, something that people could buy. So I... um left law to follow a a passion for food that was totally different than the passion and the reason why I went to law school, but, you know, it was still something I was interested in. And I opened up Cake Love Bakery after a long struggle of like, you know, figuring out how to, how to do it. Um, but I got it open. We were over on U Street and it was, uh, it was a, it was a, great success it was a lot of fun it was a really huge adventure it was it was great uh, and I very much still remember it fondly and all the customers that came in and just the times and the people I worked with like it was it was really really cool um and I grew the business and got lots of opportunities it was on food network hosted a show wrote cookbooks it was you know kind of went all over and really had uh an an incredible experience which is continuing I mean like it continues today but it's in a different it's in different form and that's kind of how we are where we are right now talking about spark bites because um you know business has got to grow it's got to evolve um which I I swear is one of the most frustrating things about it all you know like you you start you make something you love it you get into it and then all of a sudden you're just like wait a second I can't keep doing the same thing because of a whole bunch of reasons, you know, not just one, just many, many, many long story short, you got to evolve, you got to change. And we started making products that were working, but we were also, you know, for the business, we were one leg to stand on, like that's not really good. So we needed to expand. Um, Healthy snacks were beginning to become really popular. This is like in 20. 15 16 17 so i was looking for something to do that was different than just cakes and sweets and you know sugar and sucrose and all that stuff so anyways um i uh i was uh 
fixated on going back to this product that we made in the bakery, like back in 2006, it was kind of a healthy thing. I was fixated on um, foods that I like to snack on. I'm a huge dry fruit guy. I, I like, I, I like clean tasting things, I suppose, but I also like the, the effect, if you can find that, if you can stumble into that, uh, of stuff that's healthy for you, because it sometimes it seemed could kind of like moderate or modulate, whatever the word is, like to just smooth things out in my belly. And um, I, I'm African-American. I love dairy. I can't eat ice cream, pecorino <laughs> romano. Um, heavy cream. I mean, like many. <laughs> that's the one thing. So, dude, when we were doing Sugar Rush, right? You got to like eat product that you're out there. Sugar Rush is a show. We would, I would um, go look at other pastry chefs and see what they're doing and making. And then you would always eat the product with them on TV and like have the reveal, the taste, and be like, "Hmm, how's it taste? Oh, delicious!" Right. <laughs> So I had to like have everything in my mouth. And I <laughs> meanwhile, your gut is like, ooh. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Because everything is like a dessert. It's, you know, it's moose. And uh, it's a lot of dairy if you don't cream. tolerate dairy well. <laughs> oh, I mean, one thing after the other. And not just like, you know, not yogurt where it's active culture and it's kind of like, you know, deals with it. We're talking about like the biggest molecules of lactose, <laughs> right? <laughs> Heavy suckers that um, you can't even spit out because you're on camera. And then it's like you're right next to the person. Like you can't you can't spit it out. It's not like and that's what they do with wine tasting. That's what they do with so many other like foods where they're tasting it to see if this is acceptable and okay. Because if you eat and sample, then you kind of expand, but really from gas, you know. So that I mean, it's just it's just so unpleasant. And Dana had so many different instances of kind of wading through that unpleasantness that I I wanted something that would really kind of help my stomach to to uh, course correct and just feel better. So so that you know some of the many reasons, but like those are some of the bigger ones. And um, I I I. I got started at a point, uh, didn't keep going, and I went back to it when, when even a group said, like, you know what, medical marijuana is coming around, and, like, you know, people want to make edibles. Oh, edibles are going to be such a big thing. I mean, I'm sure they are, and they are, but it's mostly just gummies, right, because people just kind of want to, if you want an edible, like, you just want the gummy, Um but I went into the kitchen and tried something. I was just like, well, if it's medical marijuana, maybe people's immune systems are compromised and they want something that's going to be allergen-free and easy to digest and helpful in their stomach. And let me try this. Let me try that. I tried like 20 different like things. Brought it to this group, brought it to that group. What do you think? Give me feedback, all this stuff, you know, like developing a feedback. That was my whole um, mission. And there was one, there was one time when I made maybe like seven or eight different recipes and at the end of that session where i'm in the kitchen alone and i'm just you know trying to figure it out looking at what i've got and i said you know what warren screw it just make something you want to eat don't don't pay attention to if it's got too much sugar too much that just make it taste good and i just kind of you know it's the same ingredients but i just changed my frame of reference and frame of my point of view with 
creating the the recipe and how much I would use of things. And I went for it, right? And so I was sitting, I, mean, I still remember like at the table and trying this, trying that rice flour and palm oil and this oil and different fruits. And, and I put it in the mixer and I'm watching it mix together and I add a little bit of more of this and that. And suddenly like just even in the bowl, it looked different. It, it looked differently because it's like, as it was mixing and coming together and gathering on itself, the dough started to come clean off the bowl. And I was like, huh, that's, that's unusual. I don't see that that much. There's some recipes that we have in the traditional bakery that would do that. And that usually to me was like, okay, that's the signal that it's ready. The dough's ready. Don't, don't keep mixing. Uh, and it's going to bake off well because there's balance in the formula you have here. Your liquids, your your drying, your liquids basically are in balance. It gets more into that, like the carbs, the fats, the you know the sweeteners, they're all in balance. And so I, um, you know, took it out, rolled it out, cut it up, baked it off, brought it to you know a couple different people, and immediately, like that last one that I made, people were like, hmm what's this? <laughs> you know, what is this one? And uh, that was a, I mean, it's essentially a rice biscuit. And they were like, well, that's not very exciting. That's not sexy. Rice biscuit. Here you go. Right. <laughs> so I, um, you know, spark bites came later on in terms of the name, but that, that was it. I mean, that's me walking through, like, how did I get to at least the beginning? And the cinnamon crunch was the first one. And got it you know, right it here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, we tweaked it, of course, here and there, but basically, um, you know, the first version, you know, it was what it is. And, you know, I mean, it's just change. But then I built other flavors off of that mother recipe, if you will. Sorry, super long winded answer. That's what podcasts are for, right? You know what's really yeah. funny? Because this kind of brings it back to our first conversation at Expo East is, of course, being a GI dietitian, when you're talking about like, oh, you know, like things are well-formed and they're pulling away from the bowl and everything. I'm like, are you talking about the toilet or are you talking about the mixer? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, people will be used to this at this point because we talk about poop all the time on this podcast. If you're one of my clients and you're listening, you know, because we talk about poop in every single session that we have. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, like we had talked about then and like when we talk about prebiotics and, you know, whole foods and everything and all yeah. of the different components that go into having regular, consistent, pleasant, complete bowel movements and everything like that. That is exactly yeah. what you're looking for, right? It's like yeah. things yeah. that are yeah. pleasant to go, pleasant to finish, you know, like right. not, everything's right. not going everywhere and like, sorry right. for the visual people, but you know, we're talking about gut stuff today. So that was, no, totally. it was just funny that my brain went that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, that that's where mine, that's where mine goes too. And and it's funny because I was just I was just talking to someone who did a survey with some people about spark bites and just for feedback and whatnot, and they were saying it was kind of was something to the effect of um, the people and they were like in college and grad students they just you know if they just want a snack just something uh, I don't know just a just a snack and not thinking about it, and I was like. I said to myself, it's like, you know, dude, I don't ever put anything in my mouth without thinking about how it's going to come out. 
I don't ever, every single thing that goes in, I'm thinking to myself, mm, 18 hours, what's this going to be? You know? Oh, I know what this, oh, okay. Where do I need to be? <laughs> you know? I mean, like, it's it's kind of pathetic, but, like, that's that definitely is part of, like, the game that I run in my head. And I don't know exactly when that started, but I don't think I'm really alone in thinking that through, you know? And there's definitely like a, you know, there's an age, I think, I'm sure that like people kind of come to when they start realizing because everything down below starts going on strike. <laughs> um, if you keep poking it, you know, don't poke that bear. Um, and it's, I mean, sadly, I, I think it's like, you know, you're mid to late 40s, things can start kind of not working as well. But definitely when you're in your 50s, it's like you can't just keep throwing it down. You know, uh, and so, yeah, so when you talk about that, um, people weren't thinking about what it is and they were wanting, I guess, I don't know, either a, a sweeter experience or softer experience or less gritty or experience. And, you know, I take that when I hear that kind of feedback to, to saying to myself, like, well, you know, sometimes the medicine is a little, I don't know, I mean, it's not that I want to say like that the product makes you hold your nose and you eat it. Cause I don't think it does, but like, you know, if you gotta sometimes do that in order to be healthy, then like, you know, two tears in a bucket, just get it down. Well, it also sounds um, like what the kids <laughs> were expecting was like chocolate chip cookies. And it's like, well, no, that's, yeah. if, if that's what yeah. you're looking for, then this isn't, you're not going to get that it. experience from this product, right? But it, to me, right. it, it does taste like kind of oatmeal cookies, right? Because that is mm -hmm. the base. Yep. So, yep, yep. And it's really what it really is. It's a scone. It's a vegan scone. So I, I was I took the scone recipe um, that we used to make with butter and sugar and heavy cream um, back in the bakery. They're phenomenal. They were one of the best things I think we ever made, and they were really modeled after a traditional English scone that's what the product is like, you know, not rice biscuit and, and not, not apple pie and not red velvet cake. Cause some people, this is what it was like. Some folks, they seem to kind of, like you're saying, they want the chocolate chip cookie or they want, they want the product that's healthy or the product that's not even a cake to have that kind of sweet cake profile name, flavor, texture, something. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes a product is just what it is. It's its own thing. And you don't have to try to liken it to something else, you know? So I, I don't know. I, you're hearing the guy that's in me who struggles sometimes with um, how to group, how to classify. What is this? I can't tell you how many people when we bring spark bites to like these buyers at different stores. And they're like, hmm, really good, tasty. But what is it? You know? And I'm like, it's a snack. Yeah, but it's not like a salty snack. It's not puff snacks. Not you know, it's not chickpea snacks. Not this, not that. So, um, yeah, I I think that I think it's great to give people something that works for the body and that delivers like a great value, and it's a good snack too. And that's all we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, so to give people a little like context and behind the scenes of, you know, going back to Expo, right? It's like mm -hmm. when you're walking around these shows, whether you're a vendor or you're a practitioner or you're no, you know, a, a 
like retailer or whatever you are, there are thousands of booths between natural food products and then supplements and then beauty products and home products and like all of this stuff, right? So it really takes Mm -hmm. a lot to kind of stand out amidst something like that, especially when I'm sure from, you know, like a vendor side, it's like, well, here's all of the ice creams and here's all the cauliflower pizzas and here's all the, you know, all the different things. But I remember, and it was actually really funny because this past year was Christina's first time at Expo. It was like my sixth or seventh time going. So I was really like just teaching her like how to kind of interact with the show. And one of the things (laughs) I always tell people the first time that they go is don't eat everything that you see because you will feel sick by the end of the day, right? right? Because you can go from like eating, you know, we've got things like little uh, Brazilian cheese bites and then you go to Mm -hmm. eating like peanut butter cups and then you have spark bites Mm -hmm. and then you have steak Mm -hmm. and then you have, and you're just, Mm -hmm. they're all these little, you know, bite-sized things. And I remember when we came over to you, and you were just like, oh, you know, try these flavors and stuff. It was so refreshing because especially with each year, you see the different kind of food trends and stuff that are coming up. And, you know, taste is a really obviously big, you know, selling point for people. But so often now is like, there's so many of the different, to me at my palate, at least like way overly sweet, artificial sweeteners, Mm. trying to make things that would be, you know, maybe similar to spark bites, but taste way off the charts. Right. And that's without even going into, you know, like all the different things about artificial sweeteners, but even just like I don't think they taste good personally. So I'm like, mm. and then when you yeah. taste something yeah. that is like what you have, it's so much more, it's like a, it's a regular everyday thing yep. that you can eat mm-hmm. that tastes good. Mm-hmm. It's a great snack and it's great for your gut health. It's like, okay, it's kind of hard to find things that fit all three of those categories. <laughs> totally. I mean, all, so all the ingredients in spark bites are like off the shelf in the grocery store. Nothing that you're not going to find walking around, you know, just off the street. So that, I think that's nice. You can pronounce all the things like all that's really good, but I totally agree with what you're saying. Couldn't agree more about the whole thing that when you're, in the industry, there's so much focus and like value that's put on, well, it has no sugar or it has, so, you know, zero, zero grams of this. Zero, yeah, they're zero. like, oh, it has no and, sugar, but also it has eight different you know, kinds of artificial sweeteners in it. I'm like, it's the same Totally. Thing. It's loaded Stop up with these macromolecule sweeteners that like, okay, your body can't, it like, it won't absorb. And so it doesn't have like a sugar load to it to actually affect your pancreas, but it still affects your body. And some way, sometimes it's not going to catch it. And I, you know, so I just, I, I don't like that. I don't like the taste of it. I just, I don't like the deception, I suppose, you know, it's like, just be a little bit more honest, upright, forthright. Like I, I, that's, that's what I kind of like a little bit. So, so, you know, like I said to you that day, right? Gut health, what's the main like indicia <laughs> that your gut is actually functioning really well? Like that, in, and I, you know, I use that in, in joke, in jest, but it's true. That's what I kind of, how I evaluate it. And I look for these different things because it's the lawyer in me coming out and saying, okay, well, what's, what's the test? What's the test that I have personally, you know, that my gut is in good shape? And, um, you know, this didn't come right away. I kind of wound myself to it. 
And some people who I shared spark bites with as, you know, over time, they kind of came back to me with the same results. They're just like, um, you know, <laughs> <Things> are better. <laughs> yeah. There's a noticeable difference in the funniest story. I don't know if I told you this one, but this guy I was talking to about edibles and he was looking at doing it in a different city. So he wanted like some feedback and like, you know, just talk baking. And so I gave him spark bites and he, uh, he gave them to his wife or his girlfriend day after he gave them to her in the morning after they went to work she sent him a photo and he's like what is it that and she's like do you know what these things did to me because she was so moved with um like you know what you know what happened and she had spark bites and they did their job and the job really of, you know, the spark bites is it gives you energy. It's great. Some of them have caffeine. They keep you going. But really, it's like they get you going and uh, you experience that. So so, you know, for me, the what's the indicia? What is it all about? And, um, you know, I'll I'll go for it. And it's just that, like, I think it's a great experience when you have the as I like to say, it's the um, I won the lotto kind of experience. Right. We, I've got kids. I've got two girls. They're much older now, but they used to, of course, wear diapers. And um, sometimes when I had to change the diaper, it was a blowout. I'd be like, oh, you know, it's bad. It was a lot of wipes and it was difficult, um, you know, because they ate different things. But sometimes, and not because they ate spark bites, but just sometimes they just had a perfect bowel movement where there was nothing like to wipe up at all, you know? And, um, it was almost like easy change done in a couple seconds. So that's the bowel movement experience that I want to go for, right? I want that. I don't, there's nothing to wipe. Like what, what's going on? And um, that's what Spark Bites does. That's what Spark Bites does for me. And I see it regularly because like, you know, really I'm not trying to go economical with the Charmin, but I just happen to be able to cut back quite a bit. Um, because there's nothing really left there because the bolus that is expelled is perfectly formed and, you know, holds on to itself. Mm -hmm. So what I want to know is what were other people's answers when you asked them that question? Cause I <laughs> immediately was like, Oh, stool testing. You're like, Oh wait, what? <laughs> like probably not you were what you were expecting to hear from me, but what, yeah, what were some no, of other wasn't. people's answers? <laughs> I mean, no one really... They all, everyone always smiles and they kind of begin like, to laugh. Hee, poop. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're just, they're not really ready. They're, they're not, they're, there's not that much language even to talk about it, you know? So then I kind of take from the point of view of like, okay, well just think about toilet paper, right? Single use paper. Don't we want to reduce single use everything in our lives? I mean, isn't that the mantra of being green, eco-friendly, say mother earth? If I could reduce a single use, the greatest single use anything in the globe, I don't think it's envelopes to mail letters anymore. I think it's toilet paper. And I don't hear anybody talking about that, you know? So, like, I take it from that point of view, that angle, and, I, and that's really the angle that I would love to just in general because I think it, it serves so many purposes, you know? Save yourself from gut unhealth, right? Um, save the planet. Save the sewer systems. 
relieve the sewer systems from the wipes, the adult wipes. <laughs> that whole industry is wrecking the sewer, like the water treatment plants. Really, I mean, it, it's causing a problem. And then all the other small businesses that have to post a sign in their bathroom that says, don't flush anything except for toilet paper, you know? That kind of sign never used to be in a men's room, right? It was kind of reserved. People would put it in the women's room. I'm not saying that that was like a good thing or a bad thing, right or wrong, but it generally wasn't appearing in a men's room. Unisex, okay, I could see that. But you see that a lot now in the men's room. And I think it's because, you know, when you go, there's there are wipes out there. You go to the grocery store, you take a look at the wipe aisle or wherever they are. It's like, don't put a Band-Aid on the problem. Like, cure the problem. So... Mm -hmm. That's what I talk you know. about all the time, right? Especially because like, you know, a lot of people when they start learning more about gut health or they're like, wait, what I experience isn't normal. Like, or, or actually we did an episode it's on this a couple of weeks ago, uh, more about like the nomenclature of like normal versus optimal, right? So like right. the number one thing that people actually call out of work for is IBS, right? So just because really? non-optimal bowel movements are normal it doesn't mean that they're pleasant it doesn't mean that there's you know something you have to put up with you know every day it doesn't even mean yeah and it doesn't mean that they're that that they should be there like yeah normal for because the majority of people are going through the mire you know i mean like that's not where you should be yeah and you know then we start huh. to look to okay, well, you know, most people are like, okay, I want to, you know, instant gratification. I want a quick fix and people will go for, okay, I need a laxative or I need gas X or I need, you know, all those things. And those are, you know, they are solutions focused, but it's also like you mentioned, like we need to look upstream of like, okay, well, why is this happening in the first place? And this kind of, you know, what I would call a root cause approach is always how I approach everything that I work on in my practice and listeners would know everything that we talk about on this podcast as well is like, okay, yeah, sure. You could take a laxative if you're constipated. You could, you know, do a couple of these other things that may make things more pleasant in the short term. But why, why are your bowel movements like this in the first place, right? Yes, we need to look at nutrition. We need to look at absorption. I do, like I mentioned to you, a lot of stool testing with people to see, okay, well, is it a bacterial imbalance? Is there something in there that's not supposed to be there? Is it the way in which we're eating? Is it different stressors that are changing the composition of our gut bacteria, right? There, These are all things that a laxative can't fix, <laughs> you know? Right, so. right, right. And, and I mean, you know, it, it's great that you do the service, the medical service um, of looking kind of at the, at the, at the cellular micro level, and I'm sure there are things that people have or that come to you, but some of them just got to be like, you know what, eating behaviors, you know, that kind of are just overwhelming the capacity of a, of a healthy, normal system to begin with. And then on top, and then, you know, then it's just kind of starting with a couple kicks in the shins because it's, you know, just not getting, not getting great service from lots of different inputs, you know, but a lot of it really just being, you know, you're saying look upstream, look all the way at the plate, you know, look all the way at the plate or the bowl or whatever it is you're eating from. Talking about a lot of bowl, different bowls today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I do want to change gears a little bit. And this is the yeah, sure. wild card that I kind of mm. mentioned to you before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, unrelated to gut stuff, right? I was reading in your bio that you're self-publishing a sci-fi psychological thriller series. Yes. And I love books. Like a couple weeks ago, we just did a bonus episode on like our favorite books of last year. No, no. Tell me a little bit more about that. That's so cool. (laughs) Thanks. I, um, I'm having a great time with it. Uh, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. Writing is something that, uh, it's newly, it's a new, um, passion of mine. Uh, and I started right before the pandemic. Uh, I had this kind of vision idea of really trying to answer a question. And the question is, what's the world look like when it's run by women? Yeah, that that that's what I'm curious about. I'm like if it was, <laughs> yeah, if women are if women were in charge like completely of everything. Like, what would happen? What would it be like? What, what, what might it look like? And, you know, it, it's, it's sadly, it's a fiction. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's one worth looking at. And it, part of it, is, I guess, it's like, I feel like um, in order to have a discussion about certain things, people don't want to talk about it in the real world they'll do it if it's fantasy they'll do it if they know it's pretend but they'll they'll just back off from the subject matter altogether if it's uh too close to home so i um created this like crazy world and um i thought it was going to be like a graphic novel or something uh when i was first sketching out the idea and someone encouraged me to just try writing it and you know that was two and a half years ago uh yeah so i i've been very very busy writing and editing and going back and forth but recently i decided to just go the path of self-publishing and i'm really embracing it because um i want to get the story out there um i'm you know a business person i'm self-motivated i you know know how to put something together I'm not saying that like I have, you know, it'd be great to be published, I guess, but the economics of even like going through a publisher that may not really even be all that great either, you know? Um, Besides, you know, like the whole thing is um, it's really just an effort to get the work out there and to spawn the conversation and like as an impetus uh, about what the world looks like. And so, so how do I, you know, what am I writing about? Um, the title is men are doomed <laughs> and, um, and it does ask that question. It's like, you know, what's the world look like, uh, when women are on top and in charge and in order to get to that kind of environment and world, I realized that you, well, you have to have most of the men die because, um, they're not going to go willingly. They haven't yet, you know? They haven't kind of handed over the reins and I don't think they're going to. And so, you know, it's fiction too. Let's we'll build that out. So, you know, to have that, and what's weird is that like to have that happen, it's not a, you have to have some kind of disease that happens. Right. So it's a pandemic of course. And that's felt like it was a little old just because of the circumstances we went through <laughs> yeah. COVID. Um, but it, 
you know, COVID really, it gave me so much in terms of showing, you know, what maybe what people might behave like, maybe what they won't. Um, it gave me so much, though, too, in terms of just the inner, uh, like a little bit of the material for like the introspection, you know, on a personal level, um, macro level. And I find that I write very much about introspection. I mean, I many, many, many conversations that each character, each character has with themselves going into it. And, um, and that's something that I, I find myself just kind of doing. And then it's just as an, as a world building and creating scenes and whatnot, I, I think I realized in the process of writing that like, characters and chapters are kind of like it's kind of like a product kind of like a food product or you know layering a cake or building a spark bite and taking all these different ingredients and putting them together on a table and then seeing how they come together and watching the scene grow and I uh once I kind of realized that I was like oh dude I, I <laughs> not that I got this but like I've been doing know. this my whole life <laughs> yeah and so that's when I was just like, oh my God, like I, I, I felt like I knew what I was doing, you know, and, um, you know, nothing is, no book is a solo project. I'm definitely experiencing that now uh, with all the feedback that many people in my life have given me, which has been really wonderful. Um, and then higher too. So like, there's a lot of different websites out there with portals that you can, you know, pay for services for different things. And so, I got like a 13 page crit back from my um, editor uh, for my, yeah, for my, my manuscript that I thought was much more ready than it is, <laughs> but you know, it's, that's just part of the process. And, and I, I gotta say that, like, I don't know if I'd ever have been ready to do this and, and be so open about, you know, sharing what I write if I hadn't had cake love and hadn't had the, press exposure and been out there and just gone through the friggin' mill, like, you know, here and there, because it's not easy to put yourself out there with what you're writing. It's a, you know, it can be kind of a, all kinds of experiences, but, but it, but at most, or it's gratifying because it's nice to share that, but it's also, um, it's just a really, it's a gratifying experience like solo experience i mean the writing is definitely a solo thing you share it which is huge but um it's uh it feels so good to get thought on paper that feels substantive and um and i i swear to you like i really feel like it's still going back to that same damn question i had when i first started it's just like let's answer the questions that the kids actually have <laughs> yeah you know, I mean, let's let's not kind of pretend like, yeah, we got to like you can't just totally run a school based on like, you know, the instant demand of like, you know, teenagers. <laughs> I get that. But at some point, you still got to turn around and, and answer something that they're asking, because um, otherwise you're completely irrelevant and they're going to go find out, you know, on them on their own. And that can, you know, that can that can happen in lots of different ways. Um, so. Yeah, men are doomed coming soon. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to read it. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh thank you for asking. It's a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Of we always like to, you know, get some cool anecdotes from our different guests and stuff like that. Um so speaking of, right? Um, well, first, 
Thank you for coming on and talking all yeah, about poop with me because we love talking about gut health. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, I'm sure people will know where to find you because they've been hearing about Spark Bites for the past month on the podcast, but yeah. we will let them know again. So tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find Spark Bites, and then eventually where they can find your book. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a, so Spark Bites, make life simple, Amazon, amazon.com search for Warren Brown's Spark Bites. And uh, we've got a store on Amazon. Makes it really simple. Um, you can get it, you know, delivered prime or et cetera. Uh, it's every, everything's available by the case, but they also have a variety pack. So it's one of each flavor. Otherwise, a case is six flavors. Uh, we've got, um, I'm sorry, a case is six bags. We have six flavors. Three are caffeinated. Three are not caffeinated. Most popular is cinnamon crunch and you know like i've got many that are favorites uh i think my favorite really is coffee uh just because it's big and bold and flavors and keeps me going through the afternoon sleepies <laughs> um and then my book um i i don't i'm good it's not published yet so That's i don't true. have well, it one, you know i'll update the show notes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we'll do that i mean we're gonna try to get it kind of pushed out on all the platforms but i i'm not schooled enough on that to tell you okay that's exactly going to be the case <laughs> that's so. true <laughs> coming soon coming soon hopefully by uh hopefully be out by may may of this year cool awesome well thanks again so much for coming on my pleasure hey friends it's dana and thanks for listening to the wholehearted eating podcast Find us on Instagram at Wholehearted Eating Pod. Find Dana at Dana Monsies underscore CNS. And find Christina at Christina Hoyt Nutrition. We also recently launched a Patreon for our show, which is a member-exclusive platform where you can pledge a small amount to help us support the podcast. And you, in turn, gain access to ad-free episodes of the show, monthly bonus episodes with Christina and Dana, after-the-episode deep dives with our guests, community episode discussions, listener questions, and bonus content shared only with our patrons, and so much more to come. Check out patreon.com slash wholehearted eating and of course the link will be in the show notes. And that's it for today, friends. We'll see you next week.